The NHL, the NHL Players Association expected to announce any day, JB, any moment, protocol, enhanced protocols. They are going to try at least internally to slow this thing down. What does that mean? More tests Mm -hmm. from every three days now to every day. So, Kipper, they're not testing every day already? No. You and I got a test to come sit here and do the show. Every day we walk in this building, we get tested. Uh, Yes, I've been tested every day. That has not been the case in the National Hockey League. Stunned by that. It's expensive. Well, it's the National Hockey League. Listen, I'm... I'm just telling you yeah. that that was one of the things that was a concern for many of the owners. They, they're the ones that uh, that are picking the tab on this. I uh, that's that's. I mean, I understand, Kipper, that money's not a non-object, but holy hell, I, all, I'm all with you. Skimp on. I'm with you. Masks everywhere now. Oh, that hasn't Lord been Christ. the case, and we know that once these guys come into the building, masks are off. Coaches, masks are off. Fans, masks are off. Eating, drinking. I'm curious to know how that would play in a dressing room, Kipper. Like, how, so now these guys in the dressing room, I assume you're saying they have to be masked up in the dressing room. That's, yeah. to me, it means everywhere but on the ice. I wonder what that looks like in a dressing room. Like, how stringently that's, you know, I mean, I been around i've been plenty of places where people are supposed to be wearing masks and they ever kind of like half winking at each other are we doing this are we not doing this yes every sporting event i've been to right every sporting event everyone's like yeah i got a dasani so there's 60 minutes of having my mask <laughs> I just off drink beers the entire time we so. know the leafs are on a western road trip that got shortened with the news of calgary being shut down a big win last night but from here on end they will be told no restaurants no movies what? nothing are you serious? Go to the rink, go to the hotel. So it's like a, not not a bubble, but a no fun zone. No fun zone. That sucks. It really sucks. Like, listen, I'm not, we shouldn't sit here and, you know, these guys. No, are, I, I get they're, the they're, they're well, they're well, you know, they're well paid for what they do. And, you know, they get to play, a, I guess what you'd say, a child's game for a living. But these guys are just like us. They get, they have the same feelings, like, you know. This summer, we had kind of come out of it at the start of the season. It seemed like things were somewhat back to normal here. You're kind of out of the woods, it seemed like. And now it's like, oh, we're not back into the old way. And that's that's tough on the – that's a mental grind, like, when, for everyone. When did that come down – or it hasn't come down? It hasn't come down, okay. yet, but it's coming. Yeah. Uh, now, do we – holiday is probably a good call. Do, do we – no, I think it's – Oh, like tomorrow? I, I think it's the worst timing ever, ever. Why? Why? Yes. Because in a week, these guys are all going home, and they're going to do whatever they want. They're going to be with whoever they want. Nobody's watching. Nobody's keeping an eye. They're all coming back. Yeah. Who knows what they're going to be bringing back, and who knows where the numbers go. This It would have been better, JB, if this was end of December, early January. At least you know they're being contained. Oh, yeah. Un- yeah. Under well, your- it's just... It's going to be too late here, I see. I think it's ridiculous now for all these guys now that are going to go their separate ways, and there's there's just no chance. It is, but I guess in theory it gives them the best chance of containing it to a small... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in theory, Kipper, this is all supposed to be keep it contained within their group, you know, whatever they can. Can back. they slow it down within their little NHL world? Uh, yes. 
No, I can't see it. Yes, I, I, mean, I think that that, down. that that a COVID horse is out of the barn. Yes. But the worst thing with the whole Omicron thing is that it's, you know, supposedly uh, more likely to reinfect those who have been infected. So it's not like you get it and you're clear, you know. It's Well, the thing that Kipper said there that I think is the number one main argument for against pausing the season is what you just said there. You, you stop the season. Where do they go? They go to their separate places. They go all over the place and they come back. Like, is that going to change anything? Probably not. No. Like, I think it's just in their best interest, interest just to keep kind of powering through here. Without a doubt. 100%. There is only one way this thing gets shut down, and that's if local governments, yeah, provincial, federal. Oh, yeah, the NHL is not on their own volunteering no. to do anything. No, 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 no. You know, the NFL is a great example of a league that's just like burying its head in the turf well, and saying... So funny that you'd bring that up. Oh, is it? Yes, because earlier today I saw a tweet that I thought was very interesting from... Uh, he's a national NFL reporter for the Washington Post. Uh, either Mark, Mark Maskey or Mark Mask. And he says that the NFL is considering a protocol tweak that would allow for vaccinated asymptomatic players who test positive for the coronavirus to return to a team activity sooner, sources say. So is this something, if they went ahead with this and... Is that something that the NHL would or should consider? Because I think that's a very interesting sort of line of we thinking. We could be heading towards that. Think the league would make a change? Well, are we, are, are we believers? a long time are, after are, are, infection. Are, are, you know you're not contagious are, that long after. Where, where are we really headed with this? Is this, do we honestly believe that this will disappear in another year? Or is this just something that we may have to live with for the next 10, well, I, 15, or 20? I've had this conversation with a friend. Like, what is the exit strategy? And I know that that's a very complex question, and there's no clear answer to that. But, like, what's the plan? What are we trying to get to? You know, ideally, we're trying to keep the hospitals, you know, functional. We're trying to keep deaths and severe illness down. Um, you know, I think that's still a big part of the plan right now in the short term. But, yeah, it does feel like there's a day here. You know, Pfizer's close to the, uh, you know, Paxlovid, the the pill that's supposed to help minimize severity and deaths in, uh, in some of these cases. We're going to get to a point here where it's like, okay, it exists. We know. Take your pills. Take your shots. So, Sammy, this is, this is quite interesting because this very well may be where we're heading. It might not be this year, but... That that begs the question here, is that if we believe that we're just going to have to deal with this long term, or maybe the rest of our lives, is this now going to be looked upon like, hey, you got the flu? Um, and I'll tell you, I've played with the flu. My teammates have played with the flu. I've played with a fever of a hundred. I wrote about this very thing today. Kay. Playing sick and. You just you go through it until you don't you can't go through it or you're told not to go through it. That's so, change. That's a bit of big change now. So can an asymptomatic player who tests positive for COVID still play? No. I don't think so. I don't think even from just if it's just a PR perspective, Sammy. I mean, the uh you know, the the look at the whole thing is part of it, but I think what they can do is what the NFL seems to be wanting to do, which is say, hey, after, you know, seven days from infection with a number of, uh, you know, negative COVID tests, you're good to go. We don't need to make it 14 days. You know, maybe that results in some additional spread, but maybe it gets every single person back seven days sooner. 
that could be an option. Yeah, and I think one of the main differences, I think we maybe mentioned this yesterday, but most of these guys are not sick, right? Like they're in these protocols and like they're most like a, a lot of asymptomatic, a lot of guys that are just, you know, got a little bit of a runny nose. They're not feeling like there have been guys who've been sick. Like we were talking about Taves yesterday. Uh, there's guys obviously that get sick from it, but the ma- vast majority of people that yeah, people no, in the know have spoken to, people aren't really getting sick. Stamkos is talking about how it's like they've been, you know, vaccinated and they've done their part. So, it, it, I mean, this is a fascinating sort of cross between politics and sports in terms of which side of this you lean on. But eventually, they're going to have to figure out which side they want to land on because we're just going to, if we just keep doing it this way, games are just going to keep getting postponed and postponed and postponed. I Like, just because guys aren't getting severely sick, I think, is one reason the league will never shut down either. Like, it's like last year with the Canucks, remember how bad guys were super sick because that was before vaccinations. But now everyone's vaccinated it's just, it's a tough battle for the for the NHL to walk. And if the Craven NFL starts, you know, they they go out first, maybe maybe other leagues follow suit. But I, I think that's the direction we're headed in. As far as the Olympics is concerned, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll probably see that discussed in terms of the player options and whatever information that they can get out of the government, China, and, and see what they're dealing with. Yeah. But I can tell you, According to a few that I've talked to, contingency plans and conversations are already started really? on no Olympics, which would include bi-week breaks for each team and get games in wherever you can during the Olympic break. My new favorite way that we build the show is Kipper doesn't talk to us and he makes phone calls and then he tells us stuff on the air. I love this. this That's is so, interesting. Uh, it, it's, and, and get games in wherever you can. Wow. So some buildings will be available, some won't. Right. Just try don't, not to fall behind. Would I teams play out of their own city? They would. Know what I mean? Like if your building's, if you're behind. and The most important thing is for the National Hockey League and the Players Association is get those games in. They, it's not even a, it's not even at the top of their priority whether the rink is full or empty. Get yeah. those games in. They're like, hey, the Soyuz Heat have an opening in their building. Uh, you know, we're going to go play a game there. I-, I love the idea. Play them. Yeah. So, at what, like, how low down the totem pole would they go for that in terms of arenas, do you think? Like, is there a world? Well, I'm just wondering if you no. say Calgary can't play in their building, but Columbus's building is open over the break. Can you go play a home game out of your uh, own? I don't, I, I, I would imagine even um, neutral site games just to get maybe. Be a possibility as well. Leafs at Rico, but the <laughs> let's of, go. Of course, you're going to get go. you're, you're going to get stung with the ticket sales. But what they don't want is network refunds. I'm told. Uh, okay, that's the big one. Yeah. All I know is if I'm a network and I got to figure out how to broadcast the game, that's from, you know from a junior bar, and I'm not real pleased. But I, I guess so. There's there's some there's big money now. Obviously, with ESPN and TNT. Sportsnet, of course, is halfway through their behemoth 12-year deal. They don't want network refunds. So get the games in. Lots of talk here, but yeah. it's it's still early here, okay? Oh. It's, it's still early, and I don't think one way or the other, as far as the Olympics, you probably will have a definitive idea. Again, I'm told probably early January. So the players will 
come together and decide, will they will they have the final say, do you think, the players, or do you think this will come down to the league saying it's just too risky? Yeah, here? that's that that's a good question. Yeah. And even if it went to vote and it was 50-50, uh, like where where does that where does that and leave what if everybody? It passes like you know fifty two forty eight, and all of a sudden the only guy who wants to play is you know Kyle Turris is going to go represent Canada or something. You know, like what if it, if this is not the best Listen, on best? What are we the, doing? Uh, there, there's no way the owners are going to allow third liners to jump in for their A listers. No, that's not happening. No, They're this saying, is we're going this or is, we're not going. This is strictly A listers that will make the call, and we know who's on the list, right? Pick your 40 or 50 that are on the list. You think those guys would make the vote, not the collective PA? I, I yeah. Come on. Who, who are you going to listen to? Like, who's, no, right. who's got more pull? No, you're right. Kyle but, Turris or Connor McDavid? McDavid has 49% of the vote. <laughs> <laughs> he can't quite send Canada or all of the countries, but he's close. Yeah. So, a yeah. lot going on behind the scenes. Right now, it oh, doesn't appear time. that. Uh, any teams are still in jeopardy of losing uh, games. I know Boston has been hit with Patrice Bergeron, but it doesn't appear like uh, Boston or Nashville, anything's imminent when it comes to postponing games as of yet, as of this hour. But They're the two. I mean, Detroit hit, New Jersey hit. I mean, the collective list around the league is monumental at this point. But, yeah. You know, I guess we're at a number where you need about six or seven guys out to not play, to, to postpone games. The one thing that's fascinating in all this is something that Friedman wrote about in 32 Thoughts, and we've talked about a little bit too, Kipper, is if you have guys on the COVID list, you cannot call players up if it puts you over the salary cap right now. So NHL teams, the NHL wants to plow ahead, doesn't want to postpone games. Teams are all against the salary cap. They're going to have a number of guys and can't call guys up. We're going to have NHL teams playing games here in the coming weeks with. Yeah, really short. Yeah, like 17 guys, 16 guys, like but ECHL teams. Is that something to the protocol? Like, can that be included in the protocol uh, when they're changing things? You know, talking about putting more masks. Like, could they return the taxi squad? Could they, could they do I that don't, in season? Yeah. Again, the money's the root of all evil here. Owners don't want, and and to a certain extent, the players don't want the, the taxi squad either. Because guess what? Breaks up the pie. It breaks up the it pie. Yeah. It, it costs more. It puts the players in debt more. You add more salary to a system that's already taxing you forty four percent or over fifty percent. And it's not really 50-50 because the players pay for their own insurance and they pay for their own pension. So all you're doing now is adding more to the $700 million debt that the players have. They don't want to to continue to... to but don't to pay think- out of their pocket. And the NHL doesn't want to bank, uh, uh, bankrupt the PA either here. So again... How much money do you want to put on the system that's already being challenged? But can you just have guys that don't... So you're on the COVID list and your salary doesn't count towards the the cap. Call someone else up, pay them their NHL salary. I know what you, you said earlier was just like, the owners don't want to do that. How tight are these guys? I mean, are, are there NHL owners who can't pay 
two more NHL salaries for 10 days? Should we call Arizona <laughs> and ask them that question? We should get our uh, boy from Forbes back on to ask him. Ozanian, he was great. Oh, yeah. But so, to the answer is, I believe so. The guys are that tight that they don't I, I believe, spend that money. I believe there's, yeah, there's cash poor owners out there. How relatable. And just some some semi-breaking news here on the enhanced, uh, we were talking about the enhanced stuff mm-hmm. in terms of protocols. Uh, according to Emily Kaplan, um, the NHL is going to implement enhanced protocols through January 7th, sources tell you. Through yeah. until. By the way, the yeah. having the end date on all this stuff is ridiculous. It is so, it's like, you know, when they were telling us our kid, my kid was going to leave virtual school next year at the end of this <laughs> or at this date. It's like, no, we're going yeah, to that yeah, point and yeah. then you'll make the call. Yeah. That, that January 7th yeah, date it, means crap. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, after that, masks are all going in the trash. Yeah, like, let's have a ceremony. Burn them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. We did manage to squeeze a game in last night, oh, or a couple. Boy, did we ever. Mm. Yep. You know who squeezed a couple in. Are, are you okay with that? Matthews. Did you tweet, Sammy, today that Austin Matthews is way better than Connor McDavid? Were you one of those? No, I wasn't one of those because I don't believe it. But there are those, there are facets of his game that certainly are better than Connor McDavid, but not many. Sam's gone full troll on Oilers fans. One is the shot. The shot. I think the defensive ability is a little better, too, in the defensive zone. He's a little harder on the puck. But other than that, he doesn't do much better than McDavid. But, boy, he looked amazing last night. Holy, The Leafs did in general. I, I got to tell you, as a Leaf fan, there are not many sweeter victories than beating the Oilers and Connor. God, it used to be the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I don't care about them. <laughs> yeah that's a, the girl who just broke your heart you're not even it's interested a, yeah okay. it's an interesting it's an interesting relationship that leafs and oilers fans have it's a real disdain but it, i mean there's no real well it's just you watched that building last night it could have been it wouldn't have been any fun being an oiler fan in that barn last night a bunch of hammered leaf fans beacon you all night that's why the guy threw the jersey on the ice he was like i, I can't be getting hammered that's by the, the one anymore. in this country that stings the most getting beat by the lease jersey on oh. the ice in your home in your uh home barn come I, on it, we, it does not too, get know, worse I, I hear everyone talking about I this now it. and i know i know fans are i hate it too but I, I hear fans hearing people like us saying that and that's like now they know it's a way they can make a statement if four canadian teams have, have fans doing it is it all all that meaningful? We're at four out of seven so far this year. Well, the Leafs had one what uh, two years ago? They had one this year, Kipper. Yeah, it was oh, this year. Two, 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 two four and one. Yeah, two four and one. Jersey. Was there it a jersey like on the two ice? years ago? They won, the, <laughs> they, they won the division the year before. Someone they won, they lost a few hockey games, and someone yeah. said, "Here's my three hundred dollars." It gets kit. attention. It does, and, get and attention. they know it now. I know that's very. That's kind of the point I'm making. So maybe yeah, it's. Once again, the, the horse is out of the barn on that one. Yeah, so here come the sweaters. Here come the sweaters. <laughs> so maybe why the Oilers fan threw his jersey on the ice last night is, do you know what the Leafs' all-time record at Rogers Place in uh, Edmonton is by any How chance? How old is that arena? Uh, a couple of years. I don't so know. that's what you're giving us. We're, you're giving us a couple of years that's record. Yeah. Okay, because you certainly don't want to go back to Gretzky's no, uh, no, no. era. <laughs> this arena, Kipper, this arena. <laughs> okay, drum roll, uh, please. Seven times, uh, what are they, six and two, eight times? Uh, I don't know. How many games? First of all, how many games? Ten games. Oh, Ten. my God. Uh, <laughs> I'll go eight, eight and two. Give us a, <laughs> give us a bigger sample no, that's of size. The, that's, the game, that's the amount of games they uh, played there. I, I want to say... Um, 
Nine and one. They are nine zero oh, and one. Oh, holy Not a straight up L. No, nine zero oh, and one. Forty two goals for, eighteen against. Their power play goes at a forty two percent clip. There, they kill penalties at an eighty six point two percent. My goodness! And uh, wow. Austin Matthews was six goals in eight games at that rink. So just eating their lunch. Math. The Leafs have no problem going in there. So yeah, that's that's abuse. It that's, is. That's and unfair. Listen, more Leaf fan perspectives here, but, you know, Connor McDavid, he sees that team come in there every year, <laughs> beat the brakes off their team. Just every every loss is one step closer to Toronto for old Connor. You're ridiculous. Utterly every ridiculous. loss. Every loss. You, see, you don't think, I'm it's sorry. The it's the ultimate human, betrayal. It's, It'll never It's happen. human nature. It's human nature. The guy loves Toronto. He grew up in Toronto. He was devastated when the Oilers won the draft lottery. He, he always loses to the Leafs. You don't think, I don't know. I just think it's impossible for him to not be incredibly jealous and sad that he doesn't play for the Leafs. I'll say it. This guy, Oh, my eh? God. This guy. It's true. Sorry. Like That is all world Super leaf, fandom. super fan, Leaf Nation. How, We're the best. Buddy, I'm not the only one who thinks like blue this. blue lenses. Come on. You know what Connor McDavid saw? He He's, saw John Tavares burn a nine-year legacy in, in Long Island and said, I'm not doing that to everything Connor I'm doing Connor McDavid here will play for the Leafs. That's oh. lock. <laughs> According to my sources. Con- well, Connor. Can you mark that for future years? So what, what's he got that? left on his mark deal, that. Sammy? Ah, Four? Yeah, a couple years. <laughs> a couple I, I, years. There's no question that uh, I believe he he won't resign there. He won't finish his career there. No I, I I want no part of this clip. This clip shows up on the internet in about two an hour, and I want nothing no. to do with it because I've been on the wrong end of it. You really- I just think from a, a marketing perspective that he is the face and the look of a hockey today. But he's he's, he's he's lost in the U.S. and they're 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 missing out on that. Do you think Batman's going to tell him he needs to sign? I don't think Batman. I don't think Rangers? I don't think Batman needs to tell him that. I think he could figure it out on his own. I don't think Connor wants that that attention. It's twenty six, twenty seven when the contract's up. Uh, same year, John Tavares's contract's up. So this is not nice the little tra- nice little transition. Well, you know, it is for me. He scored a goal for the Leafs last night. He loves them. <laughs> But he does not. He does not look right. I, oh, I don't. I don't know. He looks it. sad. You know, he, boys. he does. He looks sad. Honest to. Uh, that's the first. That's the first thing I thought. He looked last night like depressed. Like he just found out his Olymp- his Olympic dream is over. That's what he looked like to me. Six in a row in the Olympics, being sapped away from him as the Edmonton winter sets in. It's a tough, tough day. On top of that, what is what the, the start that he's had, and maybe hearing the news. On how bleak it is that uh, the players are going to go and participate. I, I don't know. He just looked like he was mentally spent last night for me. I don't even know how to. Be... No, I mean, no. I mean, listen, no, Kimber, he didn't Leafs... do anything. He didn't look effective. He didn't look. He didn't look like he had a great night. I don't know. Maybe it's a hockey thing. I don't know. Drysaddle hits the open net, which he's hit a thousand I know. times. That was harder does, to miss. Does that? Does that change the whole feel of the game? 100% it does. You do, I eh? I thought the same thing. I also believe, you know, people talk about slump busters. You get a greasy one off your forehead or off your butt or whatever. I believe in slump starters. 
Like you have the one that you're like, oh my god, oh my god, and then, <laughs> and then your brain just change. You know, you just get your uh, so let's let's your stick. Let's talk about the Leafs in terms of that win last night and Connor because we've been talking about you know his Toronto Maple Leaf dream. So maybe we should talk about his game. What did the Leafs do to him last night? Because I mean, for most of that game, I wouldn't say he wasn't noticeable. He obviously was noticeable out there. Yeah, a couple of shut, dashes, but they shut him down pretty good. Like, what do you think they did, boys? You know, I know the one thing is uh, stolen from the Mike Babcock era is cutoffs and stings, which are Babs' way of saying interference. You know, and Sheldon uh, incorporates that too. And it's early on before Connor can get his speed up in the D zone, getting in front of his lane, making him go around you, getting a stick on him with cross pushes and all these different things to just minimize. Don't let him get up to speed because he only needs two or three strides before he can just pop off. As as far as... Uh, the Leafs forwards, when they're responsible, when they got a third man high, when they're in a position to uh, backtrack, mm-hmm. back pressure, I thought their back pressure was fantastic last night. Yeah. Which really allows, I think, the defense to look better than they are sometimes. Yeah, they can play a bit tighter. It's not the cherry on top. That's Jack Campbell when it comes to making your blue line look better than it really is. Mm-hmm. But when they have back pressure when five guys are involved and and taking away time and space for Connor, closing gaps, it's a different story. Yeah. And Nylander was a prime example of that, that it's not working. I can't think of a, you know, Austin's great at it. Mitch Marner's great at it. Connor back-checking on Nylander. Yeah. And still he gains the zone. And who was the defenseman? I think it was Cody Cece. Like, you don't give up the back of the net to, to Willie Nylander. You got it. If He's got to take a beeline to the end, if, board, if, <coughs> end boards and cut him off. If 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 Con, you're right. If yeah, Connor is 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 forcing him, it, it's making your job a whole lot easier. How do you not close that off? Mm-hmm. And last night, whatever you say about Hall and Muzzin and the rest of them, the last week and a half, two weeks. Last night, they closed that off. Yeah. Well, that's when Hall's really effective is, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to run a guy over, but he has to cut them off from getting the back of the net. And obviously last night, Willie was able to get the back of the net. You know, I I find when these two teams play each other, there's a great mutual respect. And so, you know, what you're talking about, about uh, back pressure and staying above, both teams do that well generally, I find. And these games have tended to be pretty low scoring, but Koskinen is not good enough to give them the saves they need, or last night he wasn't anyway, wasn't good enough to give them the saves they need. Like, they get one to make it 3-1 last night, and Willie gets the back of the net on that play, gets it over under Riley. Riley's hitting an offhand, one-time snapshot, unscreened from the top of the circles. Great shot. Can't place it any better. No reason Koskinen shouldn't steer that into the corner. Kate, I don't know if you had a chance to replay that and just focus on Koskinen. Yeah, I haven't looked at that It's... Close. Not NHL goaltending. Come out and challenge. I, like, come no, out, no. He's under his bar. It's for a huge guy too. Willie is behind the net. You know where the puck's going. It's he's gonna try to force something back up. Like you have to get a great push off. Yeah. You have to anticipate, and you have to completely take away that short side of the net. Yes. It is one of the worst post-to-post push you'll ever see. Yeah, that's just, like he's still deep, right? Like, it's, oh my god, yeah. he's shuffling on his knees. I think yeah. it's horrible. 
So that that so, changes the game to me. Are you kidding me? Just take out Costinen and put in Jack Campbell at the other end and just tell me for one second that that doesn't have a different feel in mm. entirety. Like, this is what we're down to. Teams with above-average goaltending to great goaltending will be in your top 12. Yeah. And Campbell's great last night. He looked no, energized. No, he, he, as good as we've seen him all year. Yeah. And I told you before we, we broke to uh, end the show, I said, this is a... This is a game where he's his numbers have come down last week. Which way are you going? Which way are you going here? We know where he went last night. Right back. Mm-hmm. Right back to where he's been all year. They've got a Vesna candidate, arguably the best goalie in the league right now. He was he was spectacular for sure. That is huge. I, and, and, and actually, Edmonton outplayed them five on five at, in different, statistically in a number of ways. And but. it wasn't even just the saves that Jack made last night, fellas. The difference between the game he played against Tampa versus the game he played against, I guess that was the last one he played, right? Tampa, and then the, he played against Edmonton. Mm-hmm. He just, to my eye, just jumping around more, up and down in his crease more, just kind of more engaged, just looked really energized, was sharp, which yeah. is a really good sign considering now that you have Mrazek, who seems to be healthy, so maybe you can keep him looking like that for the rest of the year. But uh, you guys were talking about Riley, and, I mean, two more points last night. Jumped Was it two more points? Yeah. Uh, great assists on the Simmons goal. Um, another goal. You know, since he signed his extension, which uh, 22, 22 points in 22 games for Morgan Riley. So what? What? what's his career year? Did he? Was he not almost a point something. a game? I think it was 72 maybe. Cl- close to a point a game. Yeah. Did he get 80 that year? I'm just checking right now, fellas. No, quickly bringing up. He was, I think he was 72 points. Yeah. Brain, Did remember. he get 80 games in? He got 82 games, 20 goals, 52 assists. Woo! Playing alongside my boy Ron Hainsey. <laughs> it's not, you know, he's he's kind of playing with Hainsey light right now. Well, maybe Hainsey heavy is a better version. Um, so Keith talked about it. Morgan Riley. Want to hear the clip? That'd be great. I thought That's it was pretty good. Good call. He is a huge driver of offense for us in terms of our defense, and you know we don't we don't get a, a ton from our back end in terms of contribution offensively, but he's one guy who's a real driver for us and really involved in our offensive chances. Yep, that's kind of always been his his thing, and the defensive ability that he's added here, uh, both on penalty kill and five on five, he's really come a long way and really embraced that. Uh, so you, we're just seeing a, a more complete version of Morgan. Yeah, he has come a long way. He's been their best D this year by miles. Part of that is other people falling off, but it has not been particularly close. So now, you know, when he signed that contract... Everyone was saying, what what a discount he gave the Leafs. I mean, you got to be really happy about I that I think contract. it's a good place for him. You know? That I, number. I still... Still high. But Listen, you got to get if, a few years of if, value like where they're getting here. You're in the 60 to 70 point range. You're, you're back into Norris discussions. Yeah. And that hasn't been the case for him the last little while. But... You're controlling pace of play out there when you're on the ice. I, I There's been only a couple of times in his career where you're going, okay, he should be talked amongst, you know, a handful of great defensemen in this league. Mm-hmm. And then he fell off that. And, oh, is he, heading that, is he heading there again? Well, there's no doubt to me that he is a Canadian Olympian if this happens. Like, it's not 
not even in question. I think the Riley flaw of, you know, that or general critique could be maybe defensively, he would have these these breakdowns or he would have these, you know, I just have found him really consistent yeah. this season and, and taking care of business on, you know, that, you know, that year he had the 72 points. I'm going to go ahead and guess there was a, a little more risk-taking than we're seeing now. He looks responsible, well-rounded. It's been a, a really good game for him uh, so far this year. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So they had another uh, couple of uh, guys back last night. Kipper uh, Mikheyev gets back in the lineup. Uh, don't. What were your thoughts on his game? That uh, noticeable. Oh yeah. I, oh yeah. yeah. It, it just well, it's, it's his speed. Yeah, I I, yeah, I thought he was. Uh... Uh, I I just like pace of play out of him. Yeah. And again, I am not here to suggest that he should be playing 17 minutes a night and finishing. Plays has been an issue with him, but they looked a lot faster than Edmonton last night for me, and, and he was a, a part of that. Yeah, you know, I, I I guess the expectations for him have to be set at, like, what do you want him to do? Um, you know, I, actually, I'll, I'll let Sheldon Keefe uh, tell us what, what he thought about his performance before I weigh in on that. You know, he's got a lot better to offer than he, than he showed tonight, but you can't expect that. I mean, he's 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 jumping on uh, on a move of bus here in terms of the season and how how quick things are moving. And and uh, it's been a long time since he played a game, so you know, like the fact that we're able to get him out there. But you can see his speed; uh, it it makes us a much deeper team. It gives me the you know, the ability and confidence. You know, the way the Lions just set up tonight, I've got a third line that if they end up, up out end up out there against McDavid and Drysaddle, I'm not worried about that at all. And and that uh, that's that's really good and healthy for our bench. And, and having someone like Mikheyev, uh with Camp, you know, especially now you look at where we have we have had to move Cash up, so that's. You know, that took took away from that line and put Engvall back up uh, there tonight and have Mikheyev there. That, like, that just gave us three lines we had a lot of confidence in. So I thought the easily the most interesting part of that is he says, if if I see that line out there against McDavid and Dreisaitl, I'm not worried about that. And then he adds, at all. Like, that's a line. So, you know, I didn't necessarily notice Mikheyev in a way that I was like, um, like, oh, great play. But I, there is a comfort level with the way he plays that you know he's going to be one of the guys you were talking about on the D side, back pressure, stick involved, and that it gives you this line with length and with, you know, Engvall and, and Kampf and, and the commitment to a certain side of the puck that it's like, all right, that's a line you're not worried about too much when they're on the rink. You wonder now, JB, where, where does this leave Nick Ritchie? Left home on the trip. Mm-hmm. Do we know why, Sammy? No word. Yeah, there was but, a sick but not COVID sick. Regardless. Boy, you didn't miss him last night. I look at Clifford and more noticeable as, yeah. a, as, a, as a hard guy to play against, uh, forecheck. Maybe it's just the skating. Maybe it's just the timing. I think it's an eagerness or getting in there a little earlier. He wants, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you talk about Richie being a presence and being as tough as he is. I don't feel like Richie wants to be that guy. Clifford feels more eager to, I don't know, get in there physically and stir things up. That's what I see too. Yeah. It makes plays, right? Like, you know, he made, made a nice dish to Riley on the Simmons goal. Adds to the depth that uh, Sheldon's talking about. And a variety, you know, as a 13th forward, a guy you say, okay, this opponent is bigger and heavier. We might need him in, in this playoff series, you know, meanwhile, there's some other D with, you know, teams with some lighter D who you may say, okay, you know, we're going to go with a bit of a lighter look here. You know, if you, once uh, Marner comes back, 
you know, Sini's out. Clifford's going to be out at some point. We imagine he might be able to stay in actually looking at that. But anyway, so he'll be a kind of a 12th, 13th guy for the Leafs. Yeah. Um, but they're in first place now. Oh, yeah. Should we have uh, Sheldon weigh in on that? Yeah. Okay, easy on the first place well, now. Well, and the let, let the coach. Let the, co- let the coach. And let the coach. Okay. Well, we've come a long way, obviously, from where where we were. But there's a couple things I would say to that: is a, there's a lot of hockey to be played, and b, we're not actually in first place. You know, we've played a lot more games than anybody <laughs> else in the league, or most teams in the league. So we're, we're not there yet. So let's just continue to work. Sammy. You- Okay. Yeah, honestly, all right. I don't look at the standings at all. <laughs> what? I never do. Like, as long as the Leafs have been this sort of version of the Leafs, yeah. they're usually in the – like, what's the point? I don't know. Four teams below them uh, in the conference so you're standings. So you're, um, you're not texting to Edmonton fans we're in first place? No. Okay, don't good. Higher winning percentage for Washington, Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina. You know, that's, that's not a one or two teams. So calling them, you know, saying they're in first place is definitely a, a games a games played. Thing. And so we've been talking about hockey for the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I do have to bring it back to uh, restrictions and COVID stuff. Um, Brian Lilly, who works for the uh, Toronto Sun, is reporting that uh, NHL, NBA, and Ontario Hockey League games in the province will soon be restricted to 50% capacity. So dialing it back at the Leafs games and Raptors games and uh, at, in OHL games. So, so would that yeah. postpone how soon the league can get paid back and how soon the salary cap can go up? You know, if there's less revenue. With, without a doubt. Yeah, okay. 100% this is going to come back on the players and add to their debt. Cool, cool, cool. So cool. I think Gary, during the Board of Governors meetings, with uh, we will be paid off in three, three years. years. Yeah. Very optimistic. Rainbows and well, lollipops. We just don't. We just don't know what's ahead of us moving forward here. But this is the only way that, inevitably, if you think it's going to get shut down for a little while, this will this will be local governments coming to the owners and saying, "That's enough. Stay home." Let's wow. hope that isn't the case. You know. I, I really do not have positive feelings towards the state of Florida. <clears throat> Just in general, I feel like everything uh, wants you dead. A, at least they're going to have fans in the building. <laughs> I got to say, boys, I'm you a big-time Florida guy. Oh, Love Florida. I'm anti-Florida. Love but, Florida. But at least Florida's going to have fans. I need to be able to watch hockey where there's fans in the stands. I'm not saying at all that could we you, should have could, that. Could at least have, I can watch. Could it. they have their own league where they just play Tampa and Florida? <laughs> yeah, I'd watch the, the FHL. Best of '82, <laughs> best '81, maybe. Yeah. Lately, what we've seen out of the two of them, that would be highly entertaining. And that would be great. I'll just say that the text line has been, I wouldn't say necessarily in favor of uh, my Connor takes. <laughs> so. Are you starting to get some heat? A couple. Yeah, that's trickling in, but that's okay. Okay, still plenty of more to go on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Christopher Stieg, Stanley Cup champion. Now, Sammy, did, did he blow off your your buddy JD? I heard him. I heard JD uh, in the morning show, um, all pissed off that uh, Chris was coming on our show and wouldn't go on his show. That doesn't sound like JD at all. No, that's odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I hope he is. I hope he is ticked off. And Rick Tockett, one of our favorites. Also in the second hour, but after the break, 
our boy Sammy Cosentino, NHL analyst for Sportsnet, and your sidekick on a few shows, eh, JB? Uh, I love Sammy. This is going to be great. Is there room for two Sammys on this show? Find out after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. The code word for today's episode to text 590-590 to qualify for your shot to win Leaf Sens tickets on January 1st is Shabbat. So, JB, how do you like working for Sam or working with Sam? Are you working for Sam? Uh, no, I, I think we're I think we're co- co-workers, but, boy, he is uh, spectacular. Great energy, a lot of knowledge. He, Sam. Uh, he kind of knows everything about junior hockey players, and I know nothing. Yeah, Sam Cosentino set to join us, and uh, maybe we'll get his feel on uh, COVID leading our conversation right off the top of the show on on where this thing's headed. I know, uh, Sammy, thank you for joining us. Uh, you and Justin doing a great job now covering the National Hockey League, but I know uh, a big part of your uh, gig is is the juniors and the World Junior Championship coming up soon here and how all of this is playing into it um, and what you're hearing. What's the latest in terms of uh, the COVID, the variant, and what that means to the World Junior Championship? As of right now, it looks like everything is, is on board to go. Atu Ratu, who was uh, suspected to go into the first round, early in the first round last year, ended up sliding to the second round to the, to the Islanders. He's tested uh, negative, so he won't be a part of Finland's plan, which is weird because he made it as a 16. Didn't get invited as a 17-year-old, uh, and here he is a year later where he's not going to be able to participate. So difficult times for him. But in terms of what the World Juniors do, Kipper, you know, they've done the bubble thing before. They held the tournament in closed quarters last year, so they're used to doing that. Um, they did it without uh, fans last year. I think they're, based on what's happening right now, even at 50% with the way, you know, I heard Sammy talk about Ontario going, that there should still be some some viability there. So. That's the one thing they have going for them, that Edmonton situation. They've had a lot of experience doing this already with the tightest protocols possible, and I would expect it would move back to that, you know, before we get to Boxing Day. How has it been um, leading up to to now in, um, you know, the Ontario Hockey League and in junior leagues around Canada? Have there been much, uh, much schedule limitation, or has everything kind of just been going ahead so far without incident? Well, Sudbury ran into an issue there and not affected actually Jack Thompson, right shot defenseman who uh, would have had the opportunity, I think, to play for Canada. But uh, because of COVID issues with the Sudbury Wolves, they were shut down as a team and he didn't make it back in the prescribed time limit to allow him to attend the camp. The Erie Otter suspended activities today. Owen Sound has canceled the game uh, today. So we have a lot of things going on. Uh, right now that are that are difficult in the Ontario Hockey League. Listen, if it can happen in the NHL where our expectation is that the players are professionals and doing their very best to keep away from things, imagine, Kipper, going back to your junior days and being tied to your bill at home and the rink and back and forth and, and school. Like, that would be a very difficult challenge. And I think with the way this thing spreads right now, we're, we're going to see a little bit more trouble before we see good times. See, I really... Would have hoped Netflix would have been back when I, when I played. <laughs> what did you do at your billet house? Actually, I think there. I think back then there was two pay channels that just came out, and they were like, we're all looking at it go pay on top of paying. It was first first choice in the super channel, where where our Netflix and Amazon Prime back oh, then. Man. 
Uh. <laughs> oh, so, Sammy, it, you know, just from a hockey perspective, uh, the name's Owen Power, of course, uh, top pick with Buffalo, headlining Shane Wright, a top pick, and another phenom, 16-year-old named Connor uh, Bedard, who's just absolutely lighting it up. Uh, do we expect, this isn't a 16- or 17-year-old tournament, but is this guy an exception to the rule? You know what, Kipper? Uh, if you watch the under-18s, you definitely would have said that last year. I mean, unbelievable. And then he goes back this year, and he puts up rather pedestrian numbers uh, playing with Regina in the Western Hockey League. And you think, oh, all right, maybe he's come back to life a little bit. But I think the thing we have to recognize there is that when he went to the under-18s, he's playing with the very best of the best. And players were able to, to keep up to him. And, you know, whether it was taking passes, giving passes, the ability to go to to different areas that he might not get the opportunity to do with his Regina team, he was able to do with the elite players. And so going into camp, I had a real suspicion as if he was going to be able to bring it up to that level. Uh, and apparently, you know, talking to Pete Lubardius, who was there watching day one, he was just ridiculous. Day two, he was pretty good, uh, but good enough to make the team. And I think getting back to playing with elite players all over the lineup is going to be huge for him. So it's going to be really fun to watch, watch him participate in this event because even as an underager at the under-18s, he, he took over, put up 14 points. Ten of those 14 points came in the medal round. So, you know, when it counted most, he turned it up a notch. And I'm, hope, I'm hoping he's able to do it here. But against 20-year-old competition, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him for sure. He's like a lot of Canadians. He's top of my list. I wonder if you have an, another couple of names for me as someone who hasn't watched junior hockey oh, at all. Um, who to keep an eye out for in Team Canada this year for uh, future NHL purposes? Well, I really love the goaltending situation. Dylan oh. Grant is a Rangers Can he prospect. play this year in the Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have to. <laughs> he'll, he'll, uh, he's a returning guy, so you always like to have the comfort of someone who returns. Sebastian Kosa is the 6'6", netminder that was taken 15th overall by Detroit. He's a really special talent. And then I think down the line a little bit, Caden Gooley, the defenseman Montreal took 16th in 2020. This guy is going to be an absolute stud. You might know his brother, Brendan, who's bounced around the National Hockey League mm-hmm. a little bit with, with Buffalo and Anaheim. And then moving up front is kind of a cool story in this uh, Elliot Desnoyers. He plays, uh, he plays in Halifax. They, they, you know, they really churn out top-notch players. A fifth-round pick. He ends up going to camp with Philly this year. He gets into an exhibition game, and they're like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. And then they start sniffing around Hockey Canada a little bit. And I'm like, I know a lot of these guys. This is one guy I don't know a whole lot about. So uh, Hockey Canada was, was raving about his ability to play in all situations and play with a, with a bunch of compete. And for him, it doesn't really matter where he plays in the lineup. But uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch this group. It's a little bit younger than, than you typically go to this tournament with yet really, really talented. Badar is one of uh, just a, what, uh, eight, six or eight uh, 16-year-olds to play in the World uh, Junior Championship. Connor McDavid is one of them. Uh, last night, your thoughts on, on his play and what the heck is going on with the Edmonton Oilers, Sammy? Oh, my gosh. We were talking about it off the top of the show, and I got it. The one thing that stuck out for me with McDavid, and you don't usually see this, but he, he just kind of, you know, Nylander was coming down the ice there, and Nylander beat him up the ice the entire way. Then they come across the blue line, and McDavid just kind of sloughed off. And, and Nylander, as he's wanted to do, takes it right around the net. And his vision to spot Riley on that goal was, was, was elite. And I think McDavid just kind of left his check there. And so 
probably the main reason why that goal happened. But when you go back to the start of it, okay, we looked at the combined goalie percentage of the teams they've played, about 960. Ridiculous. Power play, they're shutting down the seam against them now. So that one-timer that Dreisaitl's so used to hitting wasn't there. When he had the one chance, not in the power play last night, he missed it completely, which never, ever happens. And the goaltending. The goaltending is a constant problem. So, too, is the, the third, uh, the tertiary scoring. They just don't have it. Uh, I thought it would be a lot better this year. It hasn't been, especially for the last eight or nine games, where I don't think any of the bottom six have, have contributed. So that's been problematic. But, Kipper, you know this. You, you draw all your issues back to your goaltending. It all comes back to that. And when I looked at this group at the start of the year, I thought Ken Holland did a pretty good thing. They figured Staylock would be able to return, and he'd be a great insurance uh, for Koskinen, who's temperamental at best, and Mike Smith, who's usually hurt at some point throughout the season. So this third guy would be a guy who had 141 games of NHL experience who could kind of spell off when one of those other two either wasn't going or wasn't healthy. And when Staylock is out because of the myocarditis, that left a massive gap for that third goaltender. Stuart Skinner's not ready for primetime action yet. I think he's going to be a good NHL goalie, but he's not ready for to bring the Edmonton Oilers into a, into a deep playoff run. Sam makes a good point because there is lack of depth. I don't even the top teams. We know the lack of depth for the Leafs on the blue line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado, Edmonton, St. Louis. You you talk to any team. There's a, an incredible lack of depth. Yet it's 32 teams now. <laughs> when when you look at goaltending now, actually their stock has never been higher, and the value of what a good goaltender can bring. Yeah, it's almost like you need there, there's. You know, a third guy that you believe can play in the league at this point, and it's, uh, I'm not sure every team has that. Um, you know, I wanted to look at depth guys, Sammy, because you know guys a little bit farther down the roster than, than I do, I think. And you had seen Timothy Lilligren on the way up to the NHL, and now that he's kind of found his stride and playing, you know, a little bit more regularly in the NHL, what do you project for this guy as a long-term NHL? Or he's, is he someone the Leafs can count on as being a part of their, their decor? I think so, but I don't think you can count on him in the top four. No. He looks to me like a like a five six guy, and depending on your depth, maybe even a, a seventh guy. So, you know, the the big thing about him is that he had mono during his draft year. But when you saw him play as an underage, you were really excited about his offensive potential and his skating ability. But what didn't match his skating ability and offensive potential was his ability to think the game. And you can get away with that at the junior level. You can get away with it in fits and spurts playing in the in the SHL but not in the National Hockey League. And that's been the thing that's, that's held him back to this point. So as a player is so used to playing one way, you have to find a way to adapt and adjust to what it's going to be like playing in the National Hockey League. And he's just starting to do that now. And I think after a couple of times they've talked about, you know, including him in a deal, uh, I think with the Kings, the Sean Dersey, was very, they were very adamant to get Dersey as opposed to, to Lilligren in that deal. And I think that now they're in the situation where, they're going to look at the guy and try and value him for what he is as a five, six, maybe seven guy and try and simplify his game, get back to using his skating to get back on pucks and, and break pucks out, make a good, simple, simple first pass and get out of the zone. If he can play that way, if he can adjust to playing that way, then he can be an effective, I think, bottom pairing guy. I, I just don't see the potential being higher for him in the lineup. Now that Ovi's on uh, pace to get, what, 70 assists this year? I guess uh, the Rockets uh, a lock again for Austin Matthews. <laughs> Isn't it cool though how he just puts them up in bunches? Like sometimes you're saying, "Oh yeah, he's asleep. He got off to a bad start." Next thing you know, it's like 13 and 10 games. Okay, he's pretty good. He's back. No problem. 
Like he's he's really he's unbelievable to watch. Like, yeah. oh man, his hands are just crazy good. And you know, you see him strip pucks in the corner sometimes in the back track, and then he once he gets it into an area top of circle down, forget it. He's he's lethal. Yeah. No, that release last night was pretty vintage. Um, Sammy, looking at um, you know just your rookie reports that we've done together in the, in the evenings, I've always found it fascinating how many of these players that I know next to nothing about. Are there a couple of rookies around the NHL this year that should be on the average hockey fans radar that you think kind of, you know, gets missed by the mainstream media a little bit? Well, you know, one kid scored last night and and Riley Damiani plays for the Dallas stars. And again, this guy's a really cool story because during COVID, you know, if the OHL was playing, he would have been a Kitchener as their captain, as an overage player. But because of COVID, he didn't play in the Ontario Hockey League. So Dallas brought him to Texas to play for the for the AHL team. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends up with 36 points in 36 games, wins the AHL Rookie of the Year. He makes his debut last night, um, was probably the only bright spot, according to, to Rick Bonus there, uh, with, with his uh, goal in his NHL debut. So he's, he's one guy that I like to watch. But Sean Dersey, I just mentioned him a couple minutes ago um, with the LA Kings. Huge fan of his and what he's able to bring to the table. And then, you know, you can't help but think about Zegris and, and, yeah. and what he's done. And you think about Bowen Byram, that if he could ever put some uh, healthy stretches together, how effective he might be. Uh, so those would be some of the guys that I'm kind of kind of keeping an eye on. But, you know, Borny, when we do that rookie report, I just think about how hard some of these guys have worked to, to get there and how when I first saw him at 16 years old, you thought, like, oh, this guy doesn't have a chance. And, He's going undrafted, and next thing you know, he gets a deal, and you're like, yeah. okay, he's going to be a pretty good AHL player. And then next thing you know, he gets into an NHL game and, and, and strings some games together. So Tanner Janot would be another guy that I'm, that I'm really high on in Nashville. Did you guys get to see firsthand uh, the comeback uh, by the Vancouver Canucks against Columbus last night? And Oh, yeah. What, what a six-game losing streak for Edmonton and what a five-game winning streak does to change the look in that Pacific division. Well, you know, David Amber was, he was bullish on Vancouver at the start of the year. So before we left work last night, I think he said something like to the effect that, yeah, one more win for Vancouver. And they're only four points behind Edmonton. And we thought Edmonton was going to run away with the, with the division. So uh, it can, it can change that quickly, but you know, Kipper, the point I made last night is no one knows where this thing's going with COVID. And, yeah, the commissioner says, of course, we don't want to shut down and we don't want to do that. But they may have no choice. So you better be darn sure that you're putting up your points now and putting yourself in a playoff position on a nightly basis. Because if they turn around and say, hey, we're shutting down for two weeks or they shorten the season to, you know, to 70 games, you don't want to be left without the runway to try and get back into this thing. So I can appreciate what Vancouver's doing right now. Yeah, the... um... That is an interesting point. Like, if this thing gets called off, these points may suddenly become a lot more valuable if this is a 70-game season or less or something like that at this point. Um, I, I guess we'll focus on the on the positive side. Look at the, those Vancouver Canucks and what they're doing. Do you see something tangibly different with the group, with the way they're playing, with the way some of the guys are playing? Or is this just like a, you know, happenstance or good vibes? What's going on in Vancouver right now? They might They're, they're, they're pretty decent. Yeah, they're they're playing loose right now. And I think uh, the, the things that I've noticed is that, you know, let's be honest, the, the back end isn't one of the best in the, in the National Hockey League. And so when you talk about your forwards and effectiveness, a lot of that has to do with their ability to get the puck. And if you don't have guys in the back that can get the puck, the Pedersons of the world, the, the Horvats of the world, the JT Millers, they're just not going to be nearly as effective as they would be otherwise. So I think they're playing a little bit more simpler in the back there. I think they're playing without 
the feeling of having someone look over their shoulder. But maybe most importantly, importantly to me, and, and we saw it at the end of the second period, you know, they had a couple of really good chances, just weren't able to, to beat Merzlikens, but, but they were still playing on their toes and they were still attacking and they still looked like they were confident, uh, if you could tell confidence from watching it on TV, but they didn't look like they were out of it. They didn't look like they folded the tent and went into the second intermission saying, ah, forget it, this thing's over. They looked like they, were, they had the will to come back and win. Um, and sure enough, they were able to do it. There is some some house money when you make that change, though. When you bought them out like that, it, it really yeah. feels like it can't get any worse. Uh, Calgary last season, I think, had that a little bit with Daryl Sutter. Did they not get some juice early out of out of uh, out of Daryl going back on the bench, and then I, I think it calmed down a little bit. So I, we'll have to wait and see where this goes. But clearly, they they were never as bad as their record showed, unfortunately, under Travis Green. I think, Kipper, that if you looked at the at their lineup at the start of the season, you'd have to think that they were a team that was going to fight for a wild-card spot. I didn't see them placing them in the top three of the Pacific. I thought they'd be in that 8-10 to 10 range, to be honest with you, and that's probably where they're going to end up. All right, Tammy, when are you on next with JB? Uh, I'll, I'll make it uh, uh, must-see TV. <laughs> we're on tomorrow. We're going to have a little fun. All right, Tammy. Looking really appreciate it. joining us, awesome. pal. Love listening to you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Sam Constantino. Good as he gets, that guy. Hard worker, too. Knows his stuff. He's one of those guys that makes you feel guilty because you're like, I don't know what's going on in the second division in Finland. Why do you? He <laughs> <laughs> makes me, yeah, it makes us feel guilty when we're like, you know, home watching Netflix and he's studying. Slovakia. I know. It's, it's like Brett Cini got called up, and I was like, I should, I'm a, this is a Leaf show. I should know everything about that guy. I should know his parents' names. Anyway. Anyways, where, so, do, you, where do you want to go from here? Well, we have a number of items to well, uh, pick through. Sammy, you I, got any comments? Yeah, I was just talking about the, the Connor Bedard at the, at the World Juniors. Doesn't happen very often, 16-year-old. Thanks, oh, Sid. listen, you know how good you have to be because they ultimately hate that. Do they? I think yeah. they love it. It's no. media, media no. juice for the whole no. thing. No, there would have been more 16-year-olds in the past. How many gazillion years? Yeah. There's only, I think, if I'm not mistaken, just eight. So the And name, there's some big names. You want the names? I have. Yeah, let's see, let's hear the names. Spatsa. Okay, let's see how many we can polish okay. off on our own. Was yeah. Grain Wetsky one of them? Oh, that's such a big <laughs> guess by you. Yes. That was, was in one. Montreal, was it not? 1978. Yeah, so I, I know um, that goon Jason Spezza Correct. was one of them. He was. You're 2000. In the head. Um, uh, Sid, yep. what I do? Okay, good. Yep. Uh, the very big E. Correct. John Tavares. No. What? No. Nope. So you've uh, got them all except for two. Pierre Turgeon? No. Am I in... Uh, the right province? Eight. Am I in the right <laughs> province? The years for these were year 2000 and the year 2014. 2014. These are going to be super obvious it's, too, well, aren't they? The one isn't. The one isn't super obvious. This is what he's, I mean, he had a great career, but it would definitely be the outlier. Dale Howarchuk? I'm uh, making stuff In up the year now. 2000. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's remarkable. an earlier one too, right? <laughs> no. Oh, this guy had a bit of a reputation from drinking out of women's shoes at a bar. Okay. Sam McKee. <laughs> no. Uh, Jay Bomeister. 
Correct. Wow, what a guess. <laughs> what a pull. The quietest guy you've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> he did what? No, no never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on from Chewy's. Oh Never mind. God, that's well, do we have a chance at the and other one if we yes, sit here? Are we going to waste yes, everyone's time? At yes, home? His, okay. his dream, his lifelong dream is to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, was it McDavid? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my that God. Was bad. That's horrible. Well, that's one of those ones. So it's like so a free square. You should have had that. We, I did get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Gretzky, Lindros, Jason Spezza, Jay Bomeister, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, and now Connor Bedard. That's pretty. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. That's pretty good company. That tells Pressure. you, a con- yeah. Is it pre- like yes. I remember Sid yes went to when your he, question. Sid went when he was a, uh, and he was wearing the fish bowl. I, I don't remember even really being that good when he first went. First well, year. I, I do think kid. it's hard to be good in this. You know, I've. I've heard as much as I can about this Bedard in the scenario. It's like, it's where do you plug him in? You going to put the pressure on him as a top line guy? You going to make him be a fourth line guy? Not easy to figure this out. I love the world juniors. I love the world juniors so much. It's yeah. such a guilty pleasure for me. People hate on it. People always like, ah, that's just, you know, it's the developmental. Pro- blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care. Well, listen, it's, it. it's, it's the perfect kind of storm in terms of downtime, you're around home, yeah. family. That's a big element. Oh, it's Boxing huge. Day. It's For great. Me, it's, I will say that my connection to it, it was like the one hockey thing my brother and I really did together. It was like the World Juniors was a connection. Did you ever get close? You had to be, you know, you're a great junior Yeah, player. the year I scored 62, I was eligible. And, uh, Thought you might no. get a sniff. That uh, just Jacques tells Martin, you how tough it is to Jacques make Jacques Martin passed on me. Yeah. And you never forgave him. I didn't even know when my draft yeah. was. You know... Uh, I didn't didn't break my heart, but it it wasn't nearly what it is today. Well, I don't, you know. And let's face it, uh, you know, also television it this, wasn't available to us. I didn't get to watch it on TSN. TSN. Created event, for and sure. it, yeah. and they've done a fantastic job of of really making it, uh, you know, selective must watch TV over the holidays. And isn't it basically like only relevant here? Like uh, there are other states, countries it's trickled the into the states a yeah. little bit with some of the hockey fans down there. But yeah. like generally, like I mean, real people, selective areas. Yeah, but people on my Twitter feed who are from America, you can't. Them. But there's, th- like there's a reason people. why it's in Canada every other year is because you can sell the crap out of it. Yeah, you can you can find fourteen fifteen thousand people to to buy packages and the corporate money. Like they should just hold it here every year. Yeah. They shouldn't even waste their time. They can't they can't sell it nearly as well in Europe as they can here. True. It's always been one of my right? a dream of mine to go and to you like play them. And, hey, watch it. and you pay the players in that thing. <laughs> Come on. Come on. What a dream. Oh, yeah, they must. Yeah, what a dream for I wonder. Like how much do you think I wonder TSN? If that what do you think TSN makes off of that? A lot of money. 16 quadrillion dollars. A lot of money. Easy. Yeah. So, you know, with college, uh, colleges 10, having name, bucks. image, likeness rights, I wonder if some of these guys with agents don't say, well, hold on a sec. You know, you don't think Connor Bedard's selling tickets and making money? We're going to want a piece of that or he's not going. Well, they should all just kind of stick together and, and you know, collectively say, you know, and th- there are ways that and not everyone's going to go on to have great NHL careers. No, get a couple bucks while you're relevant. So, you know, if there's opportunities to put it into a fund that you can uh, – you know, a trust fund that you could get later on in life, maybe. You know, that's a nice idea. NCAA. Did we ever envision those those kids now making millions of dollars? Some of them are like some of the deals now. 
for college players? Mm-hmm. Oh. It's fascinating stuff, too. I'm just, he, I'm just, oh, sorry, I was just saying, I'm looking at the schedule for Team Canada and the group stage. It's just, you know, Czech Republic, Germany, Austria, and Finland. So it's not like there's actually a, like a state. I love having that states on New Year's Eve. That was always a tradition, but. I got to tell you some uh, super relatable stuff about this World Junior Tournament is looking at the rosters and seeing guys who are 6'1", 165. I knew that from yeah. my teenage years as yeah, well. Yeah, what year were these guys born? Uh, yeah. 2010, 2015, yeah. they're probably born now. It's getting, it's getting scary. It All right, well, let's take a quick break here, Sammy. Let's do it. Because we got Rick Tockett, the Rocket Tockett. TSN, or no, I'm sorry, TNT. Bunch of Easy now. I got uh, too much uh, World Juniors on my mind. TNT hockey analyst, and he took a little bit of heat over the Zegras pass behind the net. Did you hear his comments? Hockey did? Yeah. No. He said uh, the next shift someone was going down. Oh, well, that's fine. If he played. That's fine. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, too. <laughs> we'll get Rick Tockett's thoughts on that and so much more. After the break, real Kipper and Bourne.